know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. We really do appreciate you spending this hour with us mm-hmm. uh, every weekday. We do not take that for granted, not at all. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. and J-Mac are on tap to help us navigate the show as we take a daily look at what is happening in the culture and then filter that through an unapologetic biblical lens. That's, that's right. That's what we do. We look at what's going on in culture, and then we say, does the word of God have something to say about that? And if it does, or and, and it because does. it does, <laughs> and it does, <laughs> and because it does, let's find out what that is and then let's live it. Let's apply it and let's live it. And uh, applying the word of God seems to be in short supply. In fact, that's some of what we're going to talk to uh, talk about a little bit later in the program. I, I want to turn to our guest. We've got a uh, money wise, money wise host. I practiced. I did. <laughs> Rob, <You're good. laughs> because because I wanted to say Rob Wise. But I said, no, it's money wise, <laughs> Rob West. And and so you just kind of got to practice a little bit. And then sometimes it just doesn't matter how much you practice. Rob, how are you? I'm doing really well. It's great to be with you. Have mercy on me. Okay. <laughs> so look, there's a lot of talk right now about what's going on in the financial world. And indeed, yeah. as yeah. we were talking about this, you know, we we're talking about how there's the macro look of what's going on in finances. But I think so many families are really trying to take a micro look at what's going on in finances and trying to ask the difficult questions. So your addition to the AFR lineup is so timely. I know so many families will benefit. I want to talk just a little bit about that, but I'm hoping that you could kind of introduce yourself to some of our listeners who may not be familiar with MoneyWise. Yeah, I'd be delighted to. And it's an honor to be with you and an incredible privilege to be added to the American Family Radio family. Uh, I walk in some enormous shoes. The roots of my program, Money Wise, go back to the late Larry Burkett, who in the Mm. late 70s, early 80s, really popularized the application of a biblical worldview to financial decision making and personal finance, but did it in a kind hearted way that was hopeful and encouraging and deeply rooted in, uh, in scripture, not just just adding a few Bible verses on top, but really starting with God's mm-hmm. word and saying, if we recognize God owns it all and we're the money manager of the King of Kings, and then uh, money becomes a tool to accomplish his purposes, what does that mean for how I hold it loosely and spend mm-hmm. it wisely and save it diligently and give it generously? And so uh, we do that every day as we mine the scriptures. And, uh, you know, it's just a, an honor for me to come alongside these listeners and be invited into their story and be able to uh, bring biblical truth to bear in the financial decisions and choices they're making. Because here's my experience is that uh, our financial journey is one of the key ways that God shapes us spiritually, because Mm -hmm. money issues are heart issues. You know, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also.
So, so our yeah. heart follows our money. And the question is, what story does the way I'm handling God's money tell about what's most important to mm. me? And if I don't like that, what changes do I need to make? Yeah. Mm, that's so good. Yeah, and so well said. I would just let our listeners know that Money Wise is heard on over 1,500 Christian radio stations across the country and now on American Family Radio Network, uh, 9.05 Central Time, Monday through Friday. So make sure you check that out. Rob, you just said something that I, I kind of want to drill down on just for a, a few seconds here, just sure. to make sure that we all understand. When we look at what's going on in our economy, yeah. it's difficult not to care a lot we don't want that to be kind of reflective of any type of idolatry, but we do care a lot. How can we test ourselves to know where we are, where, where you know, if we're looking at what's happening in the economy, we're not idolizing our money or putting our hope and our trust in that, but we're also trying to be wise. What's, how do we measure that? Yeah. Well, I think we need to live in that tension because that tension is a good place to be. We want to be wise and shrewd. Remember, we are the king's money managers. And as a steward, you want to reflect the master's heart, right? So we mm, talk a lot about the parable of the talents. And, uh, you know, those uh, stewards that handled the money appropriately knew what the master expected and then invested accordingly. And I think that's the opportunity for us. We know where our trust is placed. Uh, my provision doesn't come from my employer, the U.S. government, doesn't come from anywhere other than the Lord himself. He says Amen. it's he that gives us the power to even create or make wealth, mm -hmm. That's right. right? So it all comes from him. So when we recognize that and our trust is placed squarely there and the things of this world we know can evaporate in an instant, then how do we live as salt and light in this world, managing what he's entrusted to us, entrusted to us faithfully, applying his wisdom, and yet looking for opportunities to meet the needs of the people on our path. And you're right, in these times, which are scary, and there's a lot going on around us that's swirling, and uh, we're the average American family is spending about $5,000 more this year than they did last year because of gas wow. prices and food prices. It can be a, a challenging time. And yet, if we're living within our means and uh, you know, living with contentment within God's provision, then we have the ability to absorb that. It's not going to be easy, but it's what we've been called to do. Mm, amen. Rob, you've got over a million weekly listeners. Um, you take calls from these listeners. What I'm about to ask you may be difficult to do. I'm wondering if yeah. you could pick like the number one or two or <laughs> five, number one question that you get asked by some of our listeners. And then the answer, please, to that question, like, what is it that is the absolute matter of our hearts these days? Yeah, yeah. Well, a little secret. There's I answer questions all day about money. There's really only about 12 of them. And mm. people, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, there's more than that, but it, it seems like it. Uh, you know, I think, I mean, so often today it's just, what do I do? I mean, a lot of people are watching what's happening in the stock market and just really concerned. And so right now that is, you know, I could take every question on that. I mean, here the market's off another 700 points today. We just found out in the March inflation reading that we're at 8.6%. We're, mm. you know, there's uh, a, probably a 50-50 chance that we're going to finish the year, you know, 
know, in a recession or sometime next year, which is just by definition two negative quarters of gross domestic product where the U.S. economy is shrinking. Uh, You know, what does that all mean for somebody who's invested in the market? Even if they have time on their side, they're saying, gosh, I'm watching the market fall. I'm seeing what's happening in my portfolio. Should I go to cash? You know, what about the U.S. banking system and cryptocurrency and, you know, the debt levels in this country and just everything? Mm -hmm. And I think we have to start where we just were, and that is, where is our trust? Mm -hmm. What are we taking our cues from? Is it this world or is it God's word? And then we need to make sure that our money management strategy matches uh, our goals and objectives and our time horizon. And if we have time on our side, then, you know, we stay invested. That's still the very best way to build wealth and overcome the effects of inflation, which causes our dollars to lose purchasing power if they're just kind of sitting idly by. I think the second issue that I hear very often is just about priorities. You know, Mm -hmm. should I pay down that debt or should I save? Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, should I continue giving or, you know, honor my obligations? And, you know, the challenge whenever we're asking questions about priorities and all of the priorities are good, meaning, yes, we should honor our obligations. Yes, we should be generous givers. Uh, Yes, we should uh, be saving for the future. These are competing priorities. And I think it comes down to recognizing that we need to be on our knees saying, Lord, what would Mm. you have me to do? Mm. Uh, What should my priorities be? I don't want to just reflect what you know, I see on social media or what somebody mm-hmm. else says I should be doing in terms of my lifestyle. I want to live open-handed. I want to live simply, and I want to make the wise choice, and that's why we go back to God's Word. Oh, mm. wonderful. Amen. Rob West, host of Money Wise. You can hear it weekdays, 9 a.m. Central Standard Time on the American Family Radio Network. Rob, I know that our listeners are going to appreciate you, and I think that this Um, is sort of like a great introduction, if you will, to those who would be unfamiliar with the ministry. Thank you so much for joining us. We really do appreciate it. It was a privilege. I look forward to talking to you again. All right. Blessings. Man, I'll tell you. Well, the great. Look, Mm. there is just there. I mean, I think he's touching on a lot of the issues, even just this morning. You and I were discussing this and we were talking about the the macro and the micro level. And I think what sometimes is difficult for us to do is to trust that the Lord um, knows our family. That's like right. our specific family, you know, so we look at all of the big picture information that's out there. We're reading all of us. For those of us who you know are doing it, we're reading all the news headlines. We're looking at the numbers. We're trying to make sense of the numbers. We're listening to the commentary on the numbers. But you and I were talking about yeah. this just this morning. Yeah, it's so important that as we're looking at all of this information, yeah. we recognize that the Lord is concerned with what's happening at a macro level, that's like right. big picture, what's that's happening right. But he knows your family. Yeah, that's right. So at a micro level, the Lord is concerned about you. So that's that's the importance of, of hearing uh, from the Lord for uh, for your family. And, yes. and that, you know, that a feature of walking with the Lord, because our family has uh, different dynamics, like each that's family. Right. You know, there are some things that's, that's going to be common. Right. You know, <laughs> there's some things that all Christian families should be doing. But there, then, then there are some personalized things that may have to work for your family. You know, mm-hmm. uh, some, some things that you have to do, some some priorities you have to set in particular areas. And so I believe uh, the value of, of, of seeking the Lord, hearing from the Holy Spirit and asking him to direct us in wisdom and what we should do is so important right now in, in these times. Absolutely. I, you know, one of the things that I think concerns um, me when I 
as I continue to look at the body of Christ and, mm-hmm. and kind of take the temperature of where we are and how the culture continues to press in on us is I think, and I don't know if fear is too strong a word, but I do think there is a bit of a fear that some Christians have in following and trusting the Lord, right? Mm -hmm. Like believing that he actually wants to lead our individual families. Mm -hmm. I think it's sort of like the, um, no, you go to him, speak to him on our behalf and then come back and tell us what he has said. Mm. When the Lord is like, I've caused my spirit to dwell inside of you. Mm. Right. And he wants to lead his people. Like the Holy spirit leads God's people. And this is, this is not sort of a, um, excuse this, example here, but you guys will understand what I mean when I say this. This is not, do you want tint on your windows or not? No, this is, this is the window. This is the car. Mm. This is the thing, right? It's not, um, being led by the Holy spirit. Maybe that's an upgrade. No, that is the right and the privilege of the believer. And I think we miss out so much because we, um, as individuals and indeed as families, we're not following after the Lord. We're not seeking his will for those matters that concern us. We're just sort of saying, well, like, so say, for example, we're asking the question, okay, what are conservatives doing right now? Mm. What are people doing in the financial world? What what are they doing? What are they doing? And so then we look for people that we trust, and then we figure out what they're doing, and then we try to do a form of that, mm. or if not, just do that, because we think, well, they've got to know, so let me do that. Mm-hmm. But, but what if, what if we actually... St- stopped for a second mm-hmm. and then just asked the question, Lord, what do you want us to do? Lord, how yeah. do you want our family to, to be governed? And that's an uh, amazing thought because one, well, a couple of things I, I, I thought about was in the scriptures, we had the children of Israel and God wanted to uh, speak to all of the people, the whole congregation. But at, some, at one point, because they saw the thunders and the lightning and the, and the power, display of God, he was like, no, Moses, you are, you go up yeah. for us and, and you tell yeah. us what he's saying and come back down. But God's heart was that he wanted the people to, you know, uh, hear his voice. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm thinking about how sometimes we even do in churches. You know, there's a method, there's a way that's like, oh, man, this works. This church growth strategy, you know, and we try and we look at that instead of saying, Lord, for this local assembly, what are you calling us to do where we are, you know, in the city that we are, in the place that we are? What are you calling us to do? And sometimes we don't do do that. We look at uh, other books and things to help us to grow numbers, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. not really hearing from what the Lord is wanting to do you know, in our local assembly. And I think we're kind of prone to that type of thing. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a that's actually a really good segue into our content for today. Today, we're going to talk about um, labels and how those labels may no longer suffice when we're looking mm. at churches and looking at, you know, what we might expect mm-hmm. because of the name of the church or because of the denomination that it belongs to. There's some new information out, well, out last month um, from... Um, Arizona Christian University, their cultural research center um, under the direction of George Barna. That name just says research, doesn't it? Um, (laughs) But there's some new information that strongly suggests that even the evangelical title may be slipping as it pertains to having a biblical worldview. Mm. So we can't just look at titles, names, churches. We've got to really investigate and discern um, what is it that the people we are laboring among, what is it that mm. they believe? We're going to talk about that and drill down. Aaron the Addisons, stay close. Tell me how do you handle the guilt of your past? Tell me how do you deal with the shame? And how can you smile? 
back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. We appreciate you listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Donnie McClurkin with Stand. We appreciate Sherry B. and J. Mac mm-hmm. having them on tap to help us navigate the show. Um, we couldn't do it without them, and that's not just like, you know, niceties. <laughs> Truly, we couldn't. Um, welcome back. All right, so here's the content. Uh, shocking survey finds only half of evangelical pastors hold biblical worldview. Uh, so I came across this story maybe a couple of weeks ago. I can't remember now. These are the kinds of stories that I pull because, yes, but then, you know, we just we keep going through. And then I go, wait, hold on a second. I do want to talk about this uh, last month. Well, let me just read the, the news. This is from the Christian Post. Uh, Once considered the denomination of scriptural truth bearers, evangelical Christians might be in jeopardy of losing their theological reputation. That's really, really interesting. <laughs> the term evangelical has gone through a couple paint splatterings or spatterings here recently. And yeah. we've been talking about this uh, at least since 2016. Um, but here we are again. Uh, okay. So in what researchers described as a, quote, shocking find, a new report from the Cultural Research, Research Center, CRC, at Arizona Christian University indicated just over half of all U.S. pastors of evangelical churches have a biblical worldview. Let me read that again, all right? According to Arizona Christian University, their cultural research center, Mm -hmm. just over half of all U.S. pastors of evangelical churches have a biblical worldview. So 51% (laughs) of pastors of evangelical churches, so there's and, and the reason I'm stressing that <clears throat> is because there's supposed to be a definition in the name evangelical. Yeah. Right? Like the authority of scripture uh comes to mind. Okay. This study, uh released last month, builds on an earlier report from CRC's American Worldview Inventory, which showed that just thirty seven percent of Christian pastors bring a biblical worldview with them to their pulpits. Now, here's what I think is very important, and and this is what we try to stress, and I think um, talking about an article like this really shines a flashlight on why we stress the things that we stress and even the way that we stress those things. So it it is shocking to think that only 37% of pastors bring a biblical worldview with them to the pulpit, but it's not shocking when you consider the definition of a biblical worldview. Mm Mm-hmm. So because what this article is not saying and what this research has not found is that pastors don't believe the Bible. No, that's not what is being said. What is being said is that pastors are not bringing a biblical worldview with them when they bring the Bible (laughs) with them to the pulpit. Hmm. Now, just think about that. All right. So launched as an annual tracking study back in 2020, the American Worldview Inventory is a survey that evaluates the worldview of American adults. It is based on 54 worldview related questions that measure both beliefs and behavior within eight categories of worldview application. Let me just so in Addison terms here, this is what we talk about on a regular basis. When we say we have a biblical worldview, it does not only mean that we believe the Bible to be good and right and true. It means we believe that where the Bible is prescriptive, we live it. That's right. It means that in all of our engagement and all of our interaction, the Bible is our highest authority. 
So the positions that we take on issues, the way we talk about these issues, indeed, the way we live in our families, all of these different areas, right? It means that the Bible is leading us. The word of God is our highest authority. And and so I think at this point, it's probably good for all of us to just kind of take a step back and say, wait, wait a minute, where would I fall on that? Where would I fall on that? So they, um, there are eight categories of worldview application that I think are worth noting. Now, of course, I don't have the 54 questions here in front of me, but I have the eight categories that I do think are worth noting because it's one of those things that you can kind of start thinking through and going, okay, in these categories in my life, are there biblical questions or are there questions for which there are biblical answers? There are biblical answers for all the questions. Okay, <laughs> that's just, I'm sorry to give the answers to the test, but there just are. So number one, um, the eight categories, purpose and calling, family and value of life, God, creation and history, faith practices. Mm. Talking about biblical worldview here, mm-hmm. eight categories. Number five, sin Salvation and relationship with God. Number six, human character. I'm sorry, human character and nature, commas matter. Human character and nature. (laughs) Number seven, lifestyle, behavior, and Mm. relationships. Mm -hmm. Number eight, Bible, truth, and morals. Bible, truth, and morals. The thing that I wonder about that I think would be worth delving into is is to find where there is the divergence. Like, I, I would like to know what these issues are that the evangelical pastors <laughs> are saying that there's no Bible answer to that or that maybe we, we just kind of call audible yeah. or maybe we respond to the culture. Would, That's I, what I would wonder. I would have to guess it would, it, it would pertain more to the living it out, like to the actual practical application of how to live out the Bible, mm-hmm. you know, today in in today's, I think that's a, a lot of the area where we we find that there's some you know misunderstanding or there's some like uh, deficiency. That's the, that's mm-hmm. the word. There's a deficiency mm-hmm. there, you know, in the actual living out what the Bible says because you can have a knowledge of the Word of God. You can know what it's what, what it's saying. You know, you can have all different scriptures memorized and all mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. but not actually live out what you know the Bible is saying. I think the application, it would be a, a, a part to look at. Yeah, especially the application of the parts that make us um, uncomfortable or yeah, yeah. the application of the parts that make us unhappy. Yes. Right? Like there are definitely. some things that we may find where, oh, I'm happy to do that. I right. am happy to do that. Oh, yeah. But then there are quite, uh, quite a few more Right. as you go through Scripture that you're like, oh. Really? Did you like that's, that's not hard. a literal translation, is it? Like we always, right. you know, there's always, you know, we all anyway. All right. So back to the article here, because mm-hmm. then I want to break this down. And I, I, I really believe I'm so grateful for the word of God. And one of the things that we try to do on this program is to show that in all of our engagement, the Lord has equipped us. He has given us everything that we need that pertains to life and godliness. So even as we're looking at headlines like this, the word of God, the word of God comes back into focus kind of giving us the reason for this happening, the, the reason that these things are happening. And so mm. I, hopefully we'll have enough time to be able to unpack that. But I do want to get some stats in here, get some percentages in, because I think these percentages are really important. So back to the article we go. The nationwide study of about 1,000 Christian pastors conducted between February and March found that 57% of pastors leading non-denominational and independent churches held a biblical worldview. 
which researchers called biblical theism. They call that biblical, biblical theism. So 57% of pastors leading a Mm non-denominational or independent church held a biblical worldview. Non-denominational and independent churches were even more likely to subscribe to a biblical worldview than the leaders of evangelical churches. Wow. Wow. Of whom only 51% of them held a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. Now, why, why is this interesting? This is interesting because, it, well, it's, there's several reasons why it's interesting. <laughs> but one of the things that I wanted to focus on as I was looking at this and, and just, you know, batting this about with Will the Great, I just thought, look, look at the fact that so much of the way we've engaged has been sort of hidden in the name Right. Mm -hmm. So we Mm -hmm. are a part of these communities where I don't have to know a whole lot. I just that name carries a weight that I just I trust that name. Mm -hmm. I trust that affiliation. And so I don't have to ask questions. I don't I don't have to be a Berean myself. I don't have to dig deeply into these things because that name, that name. And one of the things that I think is really worthy of warning people, Mm -hmm. members of the body of Christ is that if there is going to be some concern, let the concern be that in the places, increasingly, in the places where we least expect it, there is uncertainty. Hmm. Like we're wow. I, we're no yeah. longer certain that these people yeah. believe what we believe. Yeah. Do you yeah. understand no, what I'm saying? You're right. Which means, which means that we are going to have to be more on guard. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't mean this to suggest that we've got to be hostile. Right. Right. Or that we've got to be arrogant or rude or puffed up because the Bible actually says not to be right. But we have to be on guard, which is a warning that the Bible gives that Mm. we've got to recognize what is being taught. And and can I just say, you know, um, lovingly, it means that whereas once, you know, you attended church comfortably and they put the scripture references up on the slide for you. Maybe you got to blow the dust off your Bible now and <laughs> and, and, and now you got to flip along and you yeah. got to see, hey, let me read a passage before and a, and a passage after and see, you know, are we keeping that in context? Is that set rightly? Is that is is that being used to make a, a point, albeit a good point? It's not the point that that text intended to make. So then that's a misuse of scripture. Mm-hmm. Like these are the basic things that we are going to have to do to make sure that we are not among people who have departed from truth because it's a very slow fade, right? Like it's people don't usually just come out with the big overt things. It's very subtle. Usually there's playing to people's emotions. It's, Hey, we just announced we're going to do this. And and then before you know it, there's a, there's a clean break or a clean departure. All right. Back to the article, perhaps most surprisingly, just 48% of pastors of Baptist churches widely viewed as the most enthusiastic about embracing the Bible as the word of God held a biblical worldview. Hmm. Let me read it again. I just, I just, we need to take a moment. We need to think about that. We need to think about the moment that is happening on a very public stage as it pertains to the Southern Baptist convention. And we just, we just need to kind of, kind of think through, okay, wait, what does this mean for our individual family? Right? Like not, I'm not talking again, getting back to our original conversation not talking macro level. Well, we need to overhaul all this because I think so often when we when we find problems, people are very quick to want to change systems, but not themselves. Yeah. 
that's right? True. Like that's just the easy thing to grab for. We're, we're like, well, let's change this system or let's, well, this is wrong. How do we go out there and fix it? But then if one were to suggest, but hold on a second, actually there are some safeguards that the word of God has instructed and provided for you that you could set up in your own family that would protect you from departing from the truth, right? There are some tests that you can apply yourself. People say, no, no, that's not it. <laughs> that can't be it. <laughs> All right, back to the article. Perhaps most surprisingly, Mm -hmm. only 48% of Baptist churches widely viewed as the most enthusiastic about embracing the Bible as the word of God held a biblical worldview. Now, this is this is encouraging. This would be encouraging. Mm-hmm. Pastors of Southern Baptist churches, by contrast, were mm-hmm. far more likely at 78 percent to have consistently biblical beliefs. You, you know, let me say this. I think uh, just thinking about the Southern uh, Baptists and just kind of loosely following, you know, the convention and, th- and things that are going on. Some of the questions are, that are being raised and the committees that are being formed to look at certain issues. Mm hmm. I think it is true that the pastors um, mostly have that worldview, a biblical worldview. I think there's something else going on in Mm -hmm. the upper tier leadership that if you poll that, you might see less of a biblical worldview. I think the members of churches and some Mm -hmm. of the pastors, Mm -hmm. they're like, I think a lot of them are looking at it like, no, 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 we don't. We don't. But I think there's another uh, tier of uh, leaders who are maybe not so strong. So would you, you know. consider them, would you consider that the leaders of the leaders? Like would these yeah. be the pastors of pastors I would think who so. are departing? I would think so. Now I'm not saying you don't have any pastors that are, mm-hmm. you know, but I think for the most part, it seems Largely. like the, yeah, the upper leadership is the one that that's causing some of the, you know, questions and can we do this and that, and that may have in the past been like open and shut, cases you know it Mm. wouldn't even been you know so i don't know i'm not southern baptist but just looking at it loosely and seeing some of the things going on i'm like hmm that's really interesting because one of the things that came to my mind as i was looking at this article and hopefully we'll get to this in the next segment but i but because you bring this up i'm just kind of processing what you're saying in real time here if if what you are um supposing is true that you're looking at the higher tiers of leadership um what might be considered like the councils or like sort of the elders of elders, those who would be making decisions that trickle down and affect churches at the operating level. Right. Um, And influencing even how those churches are postured or positioned. That's really concerning because one of the things that I'm going to point out here in just a second, because um, this research actually breaks down biblical worldview by the makeup of churches. So Mm. by the ethnic makeup of churches. And I find something very telling in that particular breakdown. So I Mm. hope we get to it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very telling (laughs) in that particular. mm -hmm. Yes. So, but but here's my concern to the point that you're making though. I want to go back to this. My concern then is when you look at the Jerusalem council in Mm -hmm. Acts chapter 15, where you've got these brothers who come from Judea and they go to Antioch And here you've got the first like multi-ethnic church. I mean, it's on and it's popping, right? And and that's where they're first called Christians. You've got all these different people comprising this church. Um, The Lord is doing incredible things. And then you've got these Judaizers Mm -hmm. who, by the way, are not sent by the elders, okay, in Jerusalem. They're not sent by them, the leaders of the church, the pillars of the church, okay, as the Apostle Paul would have referred to them. Mm -hmm. But they go anyway 
And they are telling the Gentile converts that they've got to be uh, circumcised, that they've got to keep the law of Moses. The thing that I'm wanting to point out to the point that you're making is that when the brothers were so overwhelmingly troubled at Antioch, they were like, you know what? Let's go to Jerusalem and find out if this is indeed true. Mm, mm. So they actually went to the higher levels to learn, okay, do we, what are your instructions? Right. So if that is corrupted, then that's really a problem. We'll grab the break and we'll be right back. I love you forever. I love you forever. I love you forever. I don't know that there was ever a safe time just to go somewhere because it was, you know, popular. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And I, I want to be very careful because I, there are, and I'm so grateful. I am so grateful for the pastors who, although they may be considered popular, I, but the ones that I'm thinking of mm-hmm. would really shun that. Like they, that's not why they do what they do. It's, it's mm. the Lord has called them to yeah. pastor and it just so happens that the Lord has expanded their ministry to the point that, man, consistency and telling the truth and teaching the truth over decades of ministry. Yeah, you, you've got a larger church. And I think, you know, there are a lot of people who would say um, we this is ministry that we can trust. I think what has happened, though, is that you've got um, a lot of sort of um, new popular pastors like you know what i mean yeah. that have just kind of man they just sprang up and boom right. all of a sudden and, yeah and and, I, and they're not tested and you would, know what i mean I, I would say what happens in the seminaries matter as well yes absolutely like there's a lot of influence that, that comes in through there and, and and so if they're churning out the new wave of ministers and pastors what mm-hmm. was happening in the seminaries if they're mm-hmm. leaning way more left and you know in their beliefs and stuff like that that's what's coming out so it's a combination of, of different things, I believe. Yeah. And, and, and those things, those seeds that are far flung, mm-hmm. they plant and then they start to crop up. Yeah. And, and so that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that crop up and, and, and we're seeing people learn under that. And, and then right. those seeds are far flung and then that all starts to crop up. And so the remedy to that is to get back to the truth and the authority of scripture. Amen. That's the remedy. The, the remedy for that is to read the word of God for ourselves I mean, come on, you know, guys, the Reformation, like that's, I mean, that's <laughs> the, the scriptures, we should be reading them, right? And and yet we celebrate that and we're very grateful for that, but it has not produced the outcome consistent with that celebration. Like there's, we're not reading it. We're not yeah. reading the word of God. So anyway, uh, welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Mm-hmm. We really do appreciate you listening. Um, I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and I was Todd Trivet with Love You Forever. So we're looking at this research that has come out. <laughs> I don't want to say George Barna um, because it's from Arizona Christian University from their cultural research center, which I think is like the branding of it because Barna research is under um, different leadership. But this research is conducted by George Barna. OK, I just <laughs> want to say that. So um, looking at the fact that evangelical um, pastors um, don't have the type of worldview that I think many of us would expect. And, and that's a little bit concerning. And so one of the points that um, I think it's, yeah, George Barna actually makes in this article 
is that the things that we once expected to go along with certain labels, um, increasingly we may not be able to expect those things or a certain, mm. we, we may not find them. Yeah. We can still expect them, <laughs> but, but yeah. we may not find them. Right. Getting back to this research, there's some breakdown here about um, the ethnicity of churches and the biblical worldview that is present there. <laughs> I have some thoughts about this. That's why yeah. you tune in because for the commentary. Okay. Um, and then you may have some different commentary and that's totally fine. But here we go back to the article. Pastors associated with traditionally black Protestant churches and Catholic priests were found least likely to hold to hold to biblical theism. Mm. With the incidence of biblical worldview measured in single digits. Wow. Yeah. I know, I can only do it for eight seconds. Okay. 9% of pastors <laughs> leading traditionally black churches had a biblical worldview, along with 6% of Catholic priests. 9% of pastors leading traditionally black churches. Yeah. Had a biblical worldview. Look, nine. Yeah. <laughs> nine. That, that is not really surprising to me. Mm-hmm. You know, especially some, we have some conversations with some folks who mm-hmm. consistently would show me some of the things that come across, you know, their leadership uh, lines where mm-hmm. on these different issues, you know, abortion and different things. They're like consistently on the wrong side, consistently mm-hmm. against what the word of God is saying. You know, so this does not shock me, but it's like it's sad. It's like, wow, you know. So so here's here's the thing. And and I, I want to couple this with also because this research actually kind of broke down um, mixed ethnic churches and and what those look like if it was predominantly mm. white and black or predominantly mm-hmm. white and Hispanic or predominantly Hispanic and some other. <laughs> I mean, it's just I mean, it's the researchers. Right. So they're looking right. at all of the factors, which I think is amazing. This research also looked at the size of churches. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which was really interesting. Go ahead. Did you want to just no no you want to no. comment on that? No, that okay. I, I you know I read that part and I was like wow, it, but that makes sense to me because at a certain I think at a certain number, mm-hmm. you know, I'm thinking that in the mindset of a pastor, how many people can you pastor? You know, mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. and and really disciple and really uh, uh, help to grow in in the Lord. And I think mm-hmm. once you get past a certain number, it becomes more and more hard to. You know what I'm saying? It becomes harder to be able to to have a um, a, a worldview that would be spread across the congregation. Like, okay, things can so, happen. You know, with, with but, more and more people. But if the pastor, mm-hmm. I, well, okay, <clears throat> two two thoughts. Because this research, well, look, can I read the research and then and then let's keep going on it? Because I I feel like if the pastor mm-hmm. has a biblical worldview, yeah. Yeah, and he carries that biblical worldview well, with him to the pulpit. But it's going to of... be harder for him to carry it because the larger the congregation, yes, you're saying. I think so because more the more the pressure to not <laughs> rock yes. the boat on issues. Yes, yes, absolutely. This is Second Timothy chapter it's, four. It shouldn't be that way. Yeah, this but is. I think that's people what um, wanting to gather to themselves those who will tickle their ears, right? Mm-hmm. That they have itching ears. I I really think that's the snowball effect of a church that um, the aim is growth. Yes. Right. I think if, if the, now exactly. that's not true for every church that's big, right? No, like every church that's not. big, the aim is right. not big. When the aim is growth, there's room yeah. for all types of error. Yeah. Because you're errors. not going to say anything that would cause someone to say, 
Yeah. Well, that's a hard truth. Who can bear it? And, you, and you're, you're willing to do things to make sure you continue to grow. That means yeah. not say certain things or say certain things. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. If you know, I think grow. of I, I think of John chapter six. It's so interesting. And man, we don't often like because I don't know. I think we just really we just think of Jesus and like Birkenstocks. Like we just have this picture where mm-hmm. we don't understand like but just read the scriptures and allow God to show us who he is. Right. And I think of I think of Jesus in, in uh, John chapter six when he's talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. Mm. And you've got all these people who are following him and they're like, that's a hard saying who can bear it. And, and the Bible records that these people turned away and stopped following. Mm. And I, man, it is not, it should not be overlooked by any of us reading that, that Jesus doesn't go, Oh, wait, 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 come, please <laughs> right. come back. Right. No, he turns to the remaining disciples and says to them, do you also want to go? Right. Right. And it's Peter who's like, where else are we going to go for you alone have the words of eternal life? There's so many of our churches that do not have that same mindset, meaning that if the people begin to leave because you're saying, no, critical race theory is incompatible with biblical Christianity. <laughs> and if those people leave, you often don't have pastors in the pulpit who turn to the rest of the congregation and say, hey, do you guys also want to go? Because we're going to stand on the gospel here. Mm. No, what happens far too often yeah. is the, mm, I, I'm, I'm so, oh, okay, listen, yeah. I don't want to, can we just find a way to make it work so that we all get to stay so that, so that we all have the proof that we're successful because size means that we're successful. And, and we know that there are very <laughs> large congregations that have departed from the truth. So size does not mean that we're successful. Right. But I think, I think the, the, the bigger issue here and looking at all of this research and looking at, um, biblical worldview and how that all plays out in the church today. I think that the Christian at the individual level, at the micro level, I think husbands leading families, right? I, there's got to be moms, moms teaching and training their children. Dads are doing this too. Primarily moms are spending more time with the kids, training your kids to listen and to actively check what they are hearing against the scriptures as well training your kids to read the Bible and to ask questions Mm. as they read, to drill down, like teaching our kids how to be students of God's word and, and indeed ourselves. How can we be students of God's word? I think this is going to be the, the, the first line of defense, you know, as we talk about churches departing from the truth and then they're, they're surrounding us. They're, they're all around, you know, I mean, I don't know. Do you, do you see that? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I think those things in place, are safeguards, you know, uh, if, if we're doing those things, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of strength there. Like we're doing what we're supposed to be doing in our homes, you know, we, especially amongst our, our families, our children and training them up in the way that they should go. You know, I think those things, uh, further a biblical worldview. Like we, mm-hmm. it's, it's passed down. It's like, this is, we rely on the scriptures <laughs> and what the, what the Bible says, but when that's not happening, mm-hmm. you know, in the foundational areas, like the home, <laughs> you know, in our churches, man, I mean, we, we're going to have a 9% and a 6%, you know, it's really startling it, to me. Yeah. Look, let me, let me say something else here. Cause I, I, I hate to get like lost in the weeds of all the numbers and like the percentages. And I feel like some of the people who are listening to us and driving, they're like, Oh, okay. What is, she, is she done with the numbers? You know, but these numbers are so important. So, so you look at a breakdown. So there's a, there's a breakdown in this research about the mixed ethnicity churches guys. And, and look, I'm I, again, no home training, right? So when you've got predominantly white churches, okay. 
at predominantly white churches, um, 42% of those churches have a biblical worldview. Hmm. By contrast, 34% of pastors in mixed congregations composed primarily of whites and Hispanics possessed a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. All right. So just kind of process, process that for a second. Think about this. Followed by 31% of those leading churches attended by multi or multiple ethnic groups. 27% of pastors of mainly black churches. This, the percentage here refers to the biblical worldview. And the, the, the predominant ethnic makeup of the church is what I'm, what I'm leading right. with right after the percentage. Okay. Listen. So, okay, let me stop there. Cause I, I, I want to make sure that I make this point. It seems to me that as the mixture of the church shifts, right. And as the predominant makeup of the church becomes less white, there is a, a movement away from a biblical worldview. Now, I understand that people are going to be like, well, what's the point that you're making when you say that? <laughs> Let me tell you the point that I'm making when I say that. Yeah, Mika, you hate yourself. That's exactly what people would say. You are a self-hater. Let me tell you, this has nothing to do with the color of the person's skin, guys. This has to do with subordinating scripture to people. Hmm. Whenever you have a congregation where people make much of their skin color... Mm. then what you will have is a pastor who teaches to that. Do you Mm. understand? So that means that whenever the scriptures come in, wherever the scriptures make people uncomfortable, we just won't do that because, you know, things like oppression, right? Because things like, okay, you know, this critical (laughs) race theory and all of these other things. So the point that I'm making is that this has nothing to do with skin color, but this has everything to do with the ideology that comes along with those skin colors. Do you understand? Mm, So a pastor is going to feel the pressure that, well, I can't preach on this passage that has something about slavery in it because um, people, their point of reference for slavery is America. Mm. But, but (laughs) is that the responsibility of the pastor or is the pastor supposed to teach so as to bring the person up to the standard of scripture? Mm. We don't subordinate scripture to people mm. because of their skin color. Yeah. We don't subordinate scripture to people because of their ethnicity or because of how they got over. Like you don't do <laughs> any of those things yeah. because you want people to like you. Do you understand what I'm saying? So this is a problem, right? So, so, so here, so let me, oh, I'm going to not have time. I'm not going to have time. In the history, in the history of the church in America, mm-hmm. what has happened <laughs> is that there has been a predominant ethnic group which has said Christianity looks like this and it has had everything to do with the color of our skin and our culture and the way we behave. So the white culture has said, this is Christianity, the history of the church. Guys, I study church history. Okay. I'm not saying this because this is, a, this is an anecdote. So what you then have is you have those who hate Jesus Christ and who hate the church who pick up on that. And they say, oh, you've been oppressed. Hmm. Black people in your midst have been oppressed because you have made your ethnicity the standard, which should have never been so. Rather than rather than predominantly white churches saying, you know what? You're right. We have Acts chapter 15 to show 
that people can keep what's in their culture as long as it's not an affront to the gospel. Yeah. That's what that's what the churches should have said and then kept moving. But they didn't do that. What they did was, OK, well, then how, how can we fix this mm-hmm. as the world is prescribing for us to fix it? So interstage left critical race theory, <laughs> interstage left queer theory. Where now you have homosexuals who are saying, well, I am not acting on my urges, but I am a homosexual. This this is my orientation. And so when you have churches who have been told, well, you've been oppressive, you've done this, you've done. They don't go back to the word of God to find out, is that true? And where has that been true? And let's make the changes. No, they let the culture do the leading. And so then they depart from the authority of Scripture. Yeah. Hopefully that is not clear as mud. We're out of time. (laughs) Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.